Hey, welcome to episode 130 of the Collector's Quest podcast. It's Halloween. We're talking about 13 collectible Halloween games. I'm tired. It's it's four in the morning as I have finally finished editing this show, and I don't want to record a long intro. But you know how these episodes go. We're talking about console games. We're talking about PC games. Johnny's not talking about PC games. We might even mention a Sharp X68000 game. That's called... Is that called seeding? I'm trying to pique your interest so you listen to the show because you're like, Sharp X68000, now that's a neat computer. Anyway, you know what to do. Go find a place to review us, such as iTunes. Go tell your mom to listen to the show. Shout out to my mom, as always, and let's go. back to another episode of collector's quest i'm tyler here with johnny here with stefan what's going on guys <laughs> what's wow that was a w- at all <laughs> what is going on guys sometimes i say things with the wrong cadence tyler was that, fun is that to say was that your like, christopher walken i i don't know it's guys stefan, stop it, it. <laughs> what is going on we have <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> So God, uh, that worked out. We've been re- not recording for about two hours. Is that oh correct? Maybe yes. longer. Yeah. Let's not get into all that though, because let's get into the show. It's about one in the morning for me. Um, this is. Let's go long. This is. I'm feeling good about this one. All right. Excellent. I told my wife we would be done early. <laughs> <laughs> Ada went to bed already. Well, I did. I, I have a new microphone. Sleep. I don't have a new microphone. I have a new interface, uh, which caused maybe 45 minutes of downtime while I troubleshot it because I couldn't oh. figure out how to stop having you guys show up in my recording. At least. Uh, yeah. So I will either sound the worst I've ever sounded or maybe a little bit better. We'll see how it goes. And Stefan was late for the episode because <sighs> he Someone, was dealing with the police. Somebody is trying to poison my dog. So that's so that's so a <laughs> legitimate Christ. excuse. I'm not saying it's not a legitimate excuse. Tyler's excuse is also legitimate. I'm just saying there are things that add up to this time. Now that you brought it and, up, I can't just leave it there. So uh, someone has been dumping large amounts of walnuts over the uh, back wall of my house. and Because uh, dogs love walnuts. What the fuck? Yes, they like, do love specifically walnuts. specifically to kill your dog? I don't understand why else someone would be repeatedly dumping walnuts over my wall. I mean, how many neighbors do you have that have access to walnuts? It's not like it's a hot commodity. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, do they have a walnut tree? <laughs> no, you these also are like... only have so many neighbors. No, no, these aren't these aren't like whole walnuts. They're like someone's dumping a bag of like chopped walnuts over my wall, like pouring walnuts over my wall. Okay, so like it, going is to that the store and to buying. a direct neighbor, or well, is this I, like a sidewall access to the I, street? Yeah, well, it's it's off of an alley. I live next door to an apartment complex. I'm like there's a, I'm like the corner house, and then next to me is this apartment complex. So it could be any number of people. But then I also live across the street from a public park, so it could be someone hanging out there too. 
you know what would solve your problems? And Tyler, feel free to agree. A handgun? If he just, if he just, oh my God, wow. (laughs) You got real see me real quick. Um, No, if he went back and maybe listened to our security episode where we, uh. Yeah, you don't have your security cameras pointed at that fence. What are you doing? Did you have, also, you need a shotgun, not a handgun. We got (laughs) to get that spray. Was there a walnut cautionary tale that I missed in that episode? No, we just told you how to uh, maybe see things through video cameras and uh, stop perpetrators. I feel weird about pointing a camera in that direction off that wall because I would unavoidably be like recording a public park all the time. And that makes me feel yucky. Well, they're in public. You have the right to record them. I understand. I'm a sovereign I have the citizen. Right it's my them. right to record you. This is my land. That I don't answer mean, questions. That I don't answer questions. I don't answer questions. <laughs> That's how you get people pouring walnuts over your wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. Boy, Stefan, uh, that I'm sure sorry. sounds like a horror story. Yeah. Did I do the it? Dog days of summer aren't over. Nope, I did not do it. Nope. You tried. I saw it Boy, Stefan, that sure sounds like a horror story. Well, that's good, because we're talking about Halloween games again. What hey, does that have to do transition. with Transition. Shut up. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. We don't need this episode to take any longer, Tyler. Jesus, shut Tyler. up. God. I'm free till whenever. I usually stay up till three, so let's go. I'm down All for right. two hours of this. You're All the right. one. Good. Oh, hold on, hold on. You're the one who's like, we, we can't go too long, guys. We can't go too long, guys. We, you, you're like 13 games. We have to have 13 games. That's a cool number. Yeah. And I, I gave you this a week ago. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I had uh, at least one prepared in my mind, maybe two that I thought of at work. And for 13, that means you only needed to get four. Yeah, and then you complained about it. You were like, oh my god, I only have three. So, like, don't don't, don't give us that. All right. Just I'm just going to cut all this out and just make it seem like no. Tyler's perfect. Because um, no. that's what I and like. Ste- well, like, and Stefan, you don't get to come in here because you did <laughs> no research. You sat here and you're like, what are we doing? Who and, am I? And, my name is Stefan. I thought like this. Just, what is I this? still done before Tyler. <sighs> yeah, this that was my Stefan impersonation. Good. We'll have to save that for posterity. You know what? I was thinking about the word preposterous, and no one actually ever writes that word, but they like to say it a lot. Just saying. That's preposterous. Yeah. I think because it's hard to spell that people just don't don't try to write it. They're just like, I'm just going to say it and be indignant. I feel like that's in the same class as, like, inconceivable. Um, I've written inconceivable. I don't know if I've ever written the other... Anyways, I can't really enough. think of the last time I wrote anything. I just have spell check on whatever I use. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Old men Why are writing that? things down. Like, well, typing on a computer. I like how this is the second show in a row where we've gone, like, directly to speech therapy. This isn't, there's nothing about speech therapy. We gotta there's cut no this. Spe- this is horrible. It is what, horrible. We had Please a segue into horror. It was fine. How did this it was fine until, until Johnny brought up preposterous. Oh my god, Johnny. You're ruining your own show. I'm self-sabotaging. I can't handle success. Oh, my God. (laughs) See, now it's okay. Now it can go back in. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, everybody listening to this show, we're going to talk about 13 collectible horror games, because in previous years, we've only talked about, like, maybe nine, but 13's a cooler number, because Friday the 13th was a movie, and that's Halloween horror. And 13 is an unlucky number. 
That's the big thing. Friday the 13th, yeah. it's associated that, with the unlucky. It was before that was, there was a that movie. That was true before the film. <laughs> yeah. Man, they made this movie about <laughs> Friday the 13th, and since then, people have been <laughs> off it. It's so weird that he just happened to be born on that random day, and they named yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Oh, man. That, uh, Tyler, what the f***, man? All right. Um, so, yes, we are talking about more collectible Halloween games. It's my favorite time of year. I've dragged these suckers into it with me and made them uh, do something they uh, might have been more resistant to do than they should be, which is talk about Halloween. It's the season. We got a couple episodes dedicated directly to this where we'll just talk about games. They might not be the most collectible. They might not be the most rare, but we'll give you some interesting tidbits. We'll give you the collector's facts. We'll tell you what system they're on, about how much they cost, you know, any weird caveats about them. And, you know, we will have some fun. So it it's the beginning of October. I'm super excited. We're recording on October 1st. I couldn't be happier about that. And uh, I'm going to let Tyler just kick this whole thing off because he wants to talk about the big one. And it's like the most obvious Halloween game. But we, we're going to talk about it because we have some kind of new information about it. So, Tyler... Okay, so Johnny, you said that not everything we're going to talk about is going to be the most collectible. I just want to clarify, mine are all bangers, but uh, oh my god, I'm go, worried go. about these episodes because I don't want to run out of bangers. Like, if we do this another five years, am I going to still have four yes. bangers to give? Yes, my hollow. I'm, I'm the, the Halloween list I'm making right now for games is currently at about 500. Is that 500 bangers? Fine. Uh, it's pro. I mean, the, all Halloween games are bangers, Tyler. I'm going to talk Even about Castlevania. No uh, has anyone no heard one. of this game? Castlevania came out in 1987 for the NES. It kind of went under the radar a bit. No, everyone knows Castlevania. Halloween game. It's amazing. You whip stuff. All the bosses are like the classic horror monsters. You have Frankenstein. You got Medusa. You got Death himself. It's awesome. Well, Dracula, it, obviously. The box, the box art has the cool film strips going down, bringing up the universal monsters. It's kind of the theme of it. Yeah, and I haven't think all the games have like a film strip motif going on in the yep. menus. What a cool series of games. Uh, this year, which is something we've talked about, there was a copy that sold for $1,200 in July. And it wasn't like an amazing copy. If I was grading this myself, I would not on like a water scale or anything. I would have called it a 6 out of 10. It had crushing damage and edge wear. I'm a really tough grader. It, most people would probably say it's like a 7 out of 10 because it had a hang tab. And for whatever reason, this summer is when people were like, oh, Castlevania hang tab, first print, that's the one to have. Not in like spring when this madness started, but July is when we decided to spike a $75 game up to $1,200 in one sale. So that's the first print, obviously. The, the only thing that matters is that the box has a hang tab and then the cartridge is a five screw variant. And uh, those five screw cartridges are not rare. I wouldn't like, I, I gave that tip where if you're looking at a bunch of loose NES games, you could just look at all the the end labels and you just look for the ones that are flat and those are five screws. And you try to pick out the later ones that look kind of weird to you. You don't have to memorize which five screw games are rare. You just have to know like, oh, that game, that game came out in like 1989. That shouldn't be a five screw. And those are the ones you want to pick up. Castlevania, plenty of them are five screw out there. And so if you want the real first print, you have to look at the cartridge, not the box, because the cartridge has the upside down Konami logo at the top. 
of the cartridge. I believe it's called the large logo because the, the end label Castlevania logo pushes that Konami logo onto the front face of the cartridge. So I guess that's one you can keep an eye out for. Then there was the second print, which had uh, a circle seal. So it has this black circle seal on the front. Those had three screw cartridges. And then the later prints had a white oval seal, uh, which are just garbage. Because who wants an oval seal? No one wants an oval seal. So I'd say the average price these days, if you want a hang tab, it's a, it's probably a nightmare. But No, it's coming down. Way like, down. Mediocre average ones are like two to four hundred. Um, one sold today for seven hundred fifty. That looked pretty nice. Probably the nicest one that had sold since this madness began. Um, and there's like a really beat one that sold for one thirty seven. Really, it's just going to be all over the place. They're not super rare. It's just that all these people like just got the brain squirrels and they're just like got to get a Castlevania hang tab. It's one of the most important games ever. But uh, ab- yep. got backdoored out of one too. Still, yeah, I was going to say did that. Did that sale coincide with Johnny completely f***ing himself on this game? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I actually heard Johnny bid um $1,199 for one in July, but still lost. It was really weird. Nope, that is not true. <laughs> uh, Incorrect. An, an average copy of Castlevania is like 75 to 100 bucks. You might pay like a few more, 10, 20 bucks more to get a circle seal. Uh, totally worth it. I just think the circle seal, the black one especially, it just looks so much more classic, and the oval seal kind of ruins the front of the box to me. Uh, maybe I'm just being a variant snob no, at that point. No, I agree. You know what's weird is because on um, Dracula's Curse, they've got the the stupid red, you know, the red circle on it for the first print that's like the advertisement. Yeah. And I, like, I don't want the first, I have the first print, I'm like, I kind of want the second print. Because I'm already stuck with the wide oval, I don't want to see this big, stupid, win a trip to Dracula's hometown posted on the side of my box. I just want to see the, the art. It's literally obscuring cool things in the art, so I I hate it. Yeah, like Castlevania 3 is one where, subjectively, the later prints look better, so you have to decide what you really want to collect, or just be crazy and collect both. I would say now, like, probably right now is maybe the worst time ever to try to get a hang tab just because of all the interest in it. So if you're going to get it, just get a nice circle seal copy of Castlevania. It'll probably cost you a hundred bucks. It's one of the best games ever. You should own it. You have a nice copy. That hang tab won't ever give you any problems by popping out and ruining your value. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure all the manuals are the same. I know... There's like weird, there's like hard to find information on manual variants for like when you really get into like the nitty gritty first print stuff. But I looked at a few and all the manuals look the same to me. So I'm pretty sure you don't need to worry about manuals. Yay. Yay. That's, that's Castlevania. Also, you should just buy Akamaja Dracula on Famicom disc system. It's like 40 bucks and it's the real first print. Not Tyler. Come on. Real first prints again, again. Also, first the edition worse. is the real first print. All right, um, Stefan, do you want to go ahead and talk about your game? Sure, but first, I want to talk about how uncomfortable it made me every time Tyler said "bangers," and I don't bangers. know why. Yeah, it was like it's it's almost like akin to like moist. I feel like Castlevania is a banger, Stefan. Do you I feel not, like the does bangers make also. you moist? No, no, it's just, I don't, eh, it's just like, okay, equally when Tyler says yeet, it freaks me out a little bit too. So. Oh man, I think that's what they call being an old man. <laughs> Maybe. 
mood. I don't like it when these kids use their words. How dare they? That, All right. Well, if anybody like. else is creeped out by Tyler saying bangers, you you leave a comment. How Let dare they say bangers? In my day, the only time we said bangers if it was in conjunction with mash. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Thanks. I like that. All right. uh, show uh, my first game. I picked Escape from Monster Manor, which is a 3DO Banger. exclusive. <laughs> it is a banger. I thought we were Johnny talking about collectible actually, games. While, while uh, it is collectible, it's a 3DO exclusive, and uh, and Johnny and I actually enjoyed this game quite a bit while we were waiting for Tyler to fix his audio tonight. Um, so bad. It is so bad. So it's like it, it start. It's a it's a like very like corny um, sort of like almost universal esque monster themed first person shooter. Um, and uh, it even has fully complete with the opening FMV announcer guy that talks like this. But Johnny doesn't he talks like this? Like it's a game show. It's very weird. It's not good. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> but it's it's uh it's pretty entertaining. Um so complete I think I, I had it down at about uh 40 50 bucks. Let me look it up real quick cuz I lost it cuz I thought I read it down but I didn't. Escape. You said it was like $60. Did I? Yep. Okay. For a nice complete um, copy. Also there's a um there was a retailer, not a retailer, but a, a customer service uh customer sales agent binder of 3do games that is usually those those run pretty expensive and one of the games that was in included in there was was monster manor so if you see a not for resale disc for monster manor it's from that binder and um and that's actually reasonably rare oh neat you have you actually have some information about this game that someone might care about sweet no i was right it was like it's like 35 bucks oh is it i thought you said nice copies were like 60 Mm, I think that's another game oh, in my okay. repertoire. All right. Yeah. I can't well, believe, nice. Johnny, you seem like relatively positive on Escape from Monster Manor, but if I bring up like some super cool PC game or Atari game, you're just like, no one cares, Tyler. Just, okay. we need but to talk we were, about Monster we were, Manor right now. We were sitting here watching footage of the game and being oh, entertained by it. Yeah, time. no, I, I was just making fun of it. I don't think anyone should actually play that game. Also, I've considered buying um, this game a few times. It's just being on the 3DO that's held me back, even though I want it for my Halloween collection. The box is cool. It's green. It's got like a haunted house on it. Uh, it's also been available locally to me a few times. So my positivity is more to do with my familiarity. Um, and I'm not against all PC games for Halloween. Like, I love Seventh Guest. I love Eleventh Hour. So, you know, I, I have some I really enjoy. I, if we're just talking about collectible stuff... Um, not so many of them are. Can we say cool things about them? And I just don't want an episode with like 12 PC games in there. Because if I let you two jackals go, that's what it would be. You know me like and Stefan. Three, only three PC gaming PC. all the time. For this, I, for this particular topic, maybe. Like there are a disproportionate I, amount of PC games that are... That I know. Like I know what your guys' core gaming metric is. But for some reason, we brought up this episode and you both are like, I've got a, like a handful of PC games I'd like to talk about. I'm like, what? What is going on? No, stop that. Stop it. All right. Is Escape from Monster Manor, is that an actual 3DO exclusive or is that on PC? Yeah. No, it is. No, so, it's made by three by, by Studio 3DO. A console exclusive horror game. That is like 
That's pretty collectible, Johnny. Like, if I was going for I, collectible Halloween stuff, I wouldn't get... That would, that would be I, high on my radar. On my, it's on my list. There's a lot of things... I told you, my list is already over 500 games, and I'm not done with the list. So, I mean, come on. What do you want from me? I want you to buy this $30 3DO game. <laughs> There's not a lot of 3DO I, games that are less than $30 complete. You might as well just I will get it. Prob- I probably will. Good. I'm proud. All right. Thanks. Keep it up. No, I definitely won't keep it up on 3DO. All right, um, I'm going to talk about uh, Kuan first for the PlayStation 2. So if you know anything about PlayStation 2 rare and expensive games, and I use those terms uh, expensive correctly and rare, who knows, um, because it's a PS2. But there's this like triumvirate of games. It's Rule of Rose, Kuan, and Haunting Ground, less so, but people always like throw those three games out. Um, so, but Kuan is interesting, um, not just because it's a $300 game, uh, it, because it's based on Kaidan, which is like Japanese horror, uh, but it's not just like horror, like monster horror, it's weird or unexplained. So I, I like that version of Japanese horror and you don't get to see it in games so often, but, um, this, the problem with this game is it wasn't well received in the U S then that's part of the the reason it's a $300 game. It kind of had a limited run in the U.S. And, you know, reviews were bad. And there was poor sales outside of Japan everywhere. And not great sales in Japan. So you have this game. You have Kuwan, which makes up, you know, the holy trinity of, of PS2 games. All which happen to be horror games or survival horror, which is... It's just pretty interesting, but, you know, you don't have any, like, animal abuse or weird child rape in this one or sexuality, so um, this one flies under Ooh. the radar a little more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, whoops. Uh, maybe you want to edit that. I don't know if you should boo any of those things. <laughs> um, so that's Kuan. You, you've definitely heard of it. Um, don't buy the Japanese one. It, like, don't get tricked into buying the Japanese one, I should say. They, those are like 40 to $50 if you just want to see the game. It's easy. But this is like a full role-playing game. You definitely are going to want English text if you speak English uh, exclusively or, and read it exclusively. So just be aware of that. Do people generally like Kuan? I don't know a lot. Um, about you know, no. Like, <laughs> I, but that's what I'm saying. Like, initially, like, I think the masses did not. Right, but then you got this core group of collectors that said yes, they do. So, like within cult followings, you see it recommended a lot, but I don't think it's actually a great game. Like it's like a seven. I think it could have definitely been on our list of games that you buy to take pictures of. Right, uh, definitely, one hundred percent. And I mean, but I think all three of these games could, like, of PlayStation could be. Um, I don't want to talk too much about the rest of them because though they might appear later. So. That's it. Kuan, uh, it's, you know, I think of all of the three, it also has like the weakest cover, but that's me. It's just so, like a big face, right? Yeah, it's kind of like half a face, like on an eye and says Kuan. I'm like, all right, I guess. And, I'm, and I might be saying that totally wrong, so uh, don't don't kill me if I am. Could be Kwan. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the people Kwan. buying it don't know how to pronounce it either. It's not like they're buying it because they're like, "Oh, Kuan, that's my favorite franchise." Yeah. No, like, I, I mean, heard this was worth three hundred dollars. Whoa! For, for all we yeah. know, it's an acronym. 
<laughs> yes. I, but if you collect PS2 games, you should definitely pick this up, especially if you find it for a good price. There you go. I'm going to start calling it K-U-O-N. Piss <laughs> people off. <laughs> oh, you have K-U-O-N? Uh, speaking of uh, expensive PS2 horror games that no one actually wants to play, uh, Rule of Rose, a game probably everyone listening to this podcast knows about because historically, I'll say around a $200 game. And then over the past year, just about every aspect of it has doubled. It went sealed from like 400 to 800 complete in box. It went from 200 to 350 loose discs of this game are selling for $250 in a world where a complete copy is $350. Yeet that. that <laughs> God damn it, Johnny. That's nuts though. Like, Panzer Dragoon Saga is a game with four discs. Theoretically, you could lose one, one could get damaged, something like that. People will need discs of that game, and disc-only copies of Panzer Dragoon Saga sell for less than half of what a complete copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga sells for, because the complete thing is the only thing that's really collectible with a disc game. But Rule of Rose, why are people buying... Do people know why they're buying this game? Or is it just, like, a trend thing? Do people actually want to play Rule of Rose? Is that why discs are worth so much? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because everything I've seen about this game, and I haven't played it myself, but both the collector and player and critical consensus is that this game is garbage, except for the atmosphere and the story and the music. That stuff's all real cool, but the game just sounds horrendous to play. Yeah, so it's... (laughs) I've seen people doing this. One, I, I think it's got like the Reddit crowd behind it. You know? This is like just, 100% a Reddit game. The, it's, the problem is everybody knows about this game. And I'm seeing like a lot of printed covers of people having it. Because like the other thing is like to get a Saturn case, just a disc, it's not really accessible. Where do you put that stupid thing? But you can just print out a cover of a PS2 game, put it in a generic DVD case. And you're like, yeah, I did it. Got rule but of rose. I don't, I don't know. Look, I, feel I don't it's agree. Just not, I just it's there's easier. other rare games that don't have this much of a premium. Like Rule of but Rose specifically has this weird loose disc premium. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think people think they want to play it because they don't actually know. You know, I, I, I think and it's I think that's it. I don't think people yeah. know why they're buying this game. It's just like everyone's just kind of following the crowd. I think a little bit of that is 100 percent true. Um, but you gotta also remember, the weird thing about PS2 games is they're completely accessible even now. It's not like a Saturn game or anything that's like hard to get it, pick up and play. You can drop this in, if you have the right PS3, you can just plug it in. Or you can go still go find a PS2 at a Goodwill. So they're still pretty accessible, unlike these other games, which you like, you get and you're like, what do I even do with this? You can look at Rule of Rose and go, oh, I can go pick this up and play it too. And everyone should be playing it because obviously it's $700 and everyone says it's like one of the best horror games ever, obviously. And there was like even a court case about it. Oh my God. That's Reddit. I don't know what the court case was depicting child horror somehow. We brought it up on the show. Yeah, was that, was it, or maybe not a, not court case. That's incorrect. Um, There was uh, like people clamoring to pull it off of shelves and trying and get it not sold in certain regions because of the depiction of child sex scenes. And it wasn't, it wasn't, um, adult with child. It was like kind of teenagers with teenagers, I believe is, uh, what we talked about. Oh my God. That's crazy, Johnny. And I don't know, like the atmosphere is cool though. Like 
The controls are garbage. If you're really interested in this game, maybe just watch a playthrough so you don't have to hurt your hands. That, that sounds like the thing to do, Stefan. You know what the first thing I think of when I think of this game is? Your dog eating it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. That's yeah, true. my dog did eat it. A pristine <laughs> copy of it. Honestly, the first thing I think of when I think of Rule of Rose is Reddit. Reddit game collecting. It so sad. My copy was so nice. I'm so sorry, Such a Johnny. nice copy. So this is a thing, like, this is kind of just general collecting advice. This is a, 100% a game that I would not follow the crowd on. In game collect, there's tens of thousands of games you could buy. Dollar for dollar, this is probably one of the worst investments you could make in your collection, in gameplay. Uh, there's just so many better things you could buy for $350 than a PS2 copy of Rule of Rose. It's not particularly rare. It has this hype behind it like it's rare. One or two complete copies sell every single day on eBay. Um, yeah, there's I mean, probably more than a dozen copies up right now. It's rare in the same way that Little Samson is rare, right? Like, there's not a dozen copies you know of I mean? Little Samson on eBay. Not even loose carts. There's probably one or two. Is like, I think I think Little Samson gets too much backlash in the rarity department. Like, it's not crazy stadium events rare, but, you know, it's not like... I don't know, Bubble Bobble no, Part 2 or something. But it's one of those games where people know it's rare, and so they yeah sell it a lot. That's true. But, and But, like, more copies of Rule of Rose have come out of the woodwork than just, like, people know it's rare and sell it a lot. Like, there's, there's a lot of copies of this game out there. Like, it's an Atlas game, and Atlas is known for low production runs. But, you know, like, people know Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. Well, maybe it's similar to Jurassic Park Operation Genesis, because that's far from the rarest Xbox game, and that's... Super yeah. expensive just because of... Hype. Or um, Futurama. Yeah. So, some more things just to know about Rule of Rose. If you if you are going out and buying a... Be careful, because the game's from other regions. You know, they have the same cover art. It's not one of those games that got a completely different cover. Like, most uh, other regions have the exact same art, and they look deceptively similar, especially in eBay auctions, to the U.S. one. So, be careful of that. Another thing you can do if you're like really trying to pimp your copy of this, there's a pre-order exclusive soundtrack that was available with this game that's also gotten quite pricey, uh, fetching over $150 now on that. Yeah, so the soundtrack, Johnny, there are like Saturn demo discs and stuff like uh, Saturn Screams Volume 2. Like, you'll never find Saturn Screams Volume 2, but... No. There's like uncommon stuff out there that you don't see and like, wow, like people really didn't hang on to this kind of stuff. There are 10... Rule of Rose pre-order soundtracks on eBay right now. One sells every one or two weeks. Like, there are tons of these out there, and these are just the pre-order soundtracks. Uh, and yeah, you're right. They sell like 100 to 200 on average. They're all over the place because it's such a strange item. It's yeah. just another one of those things that it just seems so crazy to me. Like, for instance, there's about 60 English versions of Rule of Rose right now on eBay. Bananas. Yep. That's Rule so, of Rose. I'm sure we've said rare. many of these points before, but it is it like even over just the past year, it's even hyped up more than it was already hyped up. So it's, it's, this is 100. This is the new Earthbound. This is the Earthbound for the PS2 generation. Oh, I like that comparison. Actually, I, I like it. So just to tell you about Little Samson, there are 60 copies currently listed on eBay right now, but genuine copies, I think, is probably. 20 or less of that so yeah. really there's yeah. that many little i don't believe you 
Uh, I'm just saying 20 or less, like as a general number out of that 60, because I'm not counting every one of them, but just sort by like, highest there might even be less cut out anything under $200. Yeah. There are the, the, the ones that the ones just based on price, the ones that look legitimate are, there's like four of them. But then I was looking through, cause you were talking about one cell, you know, the, the sales stats and like in July, one sold like every week. Uh, so but one that's yeah, this different than like 10 day, so. yeah versus a day that's and a it's large one loose card versus yeah but it's a cardboard thing I, I understand i understand the little samson thing but yeah no i but i agree with you tyler i think collectors like i think it was correct when we first started talking about like little samson is not as rare as everybody says but now people have gone too far on that spectrum and need to dial it back a little bit i think i think that's fair all right stefan what's your next game my turn again it is. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Jack Bros for the Virtual Boy. Well, that uh, game's not common. No. <laughs> Far and away the uh, the most expensive. I don't know about rarest. I really haven't really looked into the like actual rarity of Jack Bros, but definitely the most expensive Far and Away on the North American Virtual Boy, uh, going for seven hundred and thirty-one dollars complete. That is uh, banana I mean- pants. There, there's one on eBay right now for 700 or best offer. So, uh, but I was, you know, this is of course yeah. I always use game value now averages. Yep. So, uh, 731 complete, 400, 440 dollars loose. That that surprised me a lot when you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the loose price is crazy, but like I want to be fair, like there are some in the 400 dollar range. But even if it was 200 dollars, I would still be like, WTF? What happened here? Because that's, Jack- it, that used to be, like, the complete price for a long time. Yeah, no, I was saying that, I think when I bought, you know, because I have a cart-only set of Virtual Boy, and I, I think I paid about $400 for all of them, and it wasn't that long ago, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's actually a Shin Megami Tensei series game. Um, it's a, an action, top-down-ish action game. Um, and Are you notori- sure? Notoriously difficult. Yeah, isn't it? I, I have no idea. I've never been able to put my face into a virtual boy and have it work correctly and me not want to throw up. So, <laughs> yeah, it's either, yeah, it's top down ish. It's kind of um, like a maze game. Uh, yeah. I want to say it's like bug on Saturn, but maybe it's been so long since I've played it. Um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, Jeremy Parrish did a actually a good uh, YouTube video covering Jack Bros on his uh, Virtual Boy Works series. If you want to check that out for gameplay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, despite being Shimagani Tensei, it is very much Halloween themed. You are like jack-o'-lantern. One of the characters, there's like three of them. One's a jack-o'-lantern guy. One of them is actually like Jack the Ripper, like is supposed to be Jack the Ripper. Um, and then one of them's uh, Ice Guy, right? Like, uh, yeah, Ice Guy. Uh, Jack Frost, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because that's it's Jack the Ripper, a Jack o' Lantern, and Jack Frost, yeah. hence Ooh, the Jack yeah, pull, Jack Burrows. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not a bad game. It's not four hundred and forty dollars worth of great, in my opinion. Uh, but it is notoriously difficult. So that's um, that doesn't also really mesh with Virtual Boy as a platform because, as Johnny stated, it's difficult to shove your face in that for more than a few minutes. Uh, without getting sick or having your eyes burned out of your head. So um, do with that information what you will. Um, there are ways to emulate the Virtual Boy these days, so that might be a better course of action if you'd like to. Uh, yeah, these are collectors. They want to own it. They don't care about playing it. Yeah, that's and I And I agree. Um, also, it's a, an, another Atlas game. That's a common theme. And, you know, here's a fun fact. 
because it has Jack Frost, you could post it as a Christmas game on the down low. On the DL? Yep. Can we do Christmas Halloween crossover games? I bet we could think of four. Oh, man. Uh. Tyler, don't don't spoil what's coming for you in December. Oh, God. <laughs> Please, no. Oh, oh, I've already started writing up the document. I'm going to ha- I'll be washing my hair that day. Cool. <laughs> so for Jack Bros, I also want to say um, the price. I haven't looked at the price graph, but the price sounds like it's gone up crazy since I've last ever thought about Jack Bros as a thing. Ignoring how much the price has gone up, if you were going to buy Jack Bros today, no matter what, four hundred fifty dollars for a loose cart versus seven hundred dollars complete. That is not a big difference for a boxed handheld game. If there was a $450 Game Boy loose cartridge, there is a 0% chance you would be able to get it complete in box for $700 or best offer. Um, yeah, so just on the value spectrum, that is very much a title you would want to pick up complete, I think. Yeah. And and just like to talk a little more about the price. There was one that sold in August for like $450. Um, there's been some copies that have been under but this is also a game that you don't see complete very often. So actually finding the box is relatively hard. So while even if you wanted to just play it and you saw that cart for like $450, I would reach to spend $700 and get a complete one or hopefully find a deal at like $600, you know, for sure, rather than just buying the loose cart. So looking at looking at Game Value Now's graph, it, in December of seventeen, it was uh, complete. It was roughly what it is now loose. So it was like four seventy. Uh, then it jumps up considerably, but this was in that time where they didn't have data. So it goes from you know December of seventeen to June of eighteen. Uh, so when the data picks back up, it's at six fifty five. So between between December of seventeen and June of eighteen, it jumps like two hundred dollars. All right. All right. And uh, as a, uh, if you, if you want to be flashing your wares, I think it has really cool box art. It's really recognizable and it's small so you could stick it anywhere in the back of your Instagram pictures and everyone will know you're really cool because you have Jack Bros. Yep. I I have Jack Bros. I did it. Damn, Johnny. Woo. You're so cool. I am so cool. Thanks for recognizing that. Was you it the Jack that, Bros? Uh, that uh, Lovecraftian virtual boy game that's $300. Oh my God. Oh my God! Tyler did it again. He is that wait? He is stole, that on the he stole the show? thing that I was about it's to talk the, about? It's on the next episode. We're gonna do the I next. No, but I was gonna like I was gonna mention it. Like, hey, there's like this other game, but, no, but, we'll, but we'll save that to shove it and in. Then and then Tyler steals my fun fact. It, it's not gonna be a fun fact because I don't even want to talk about it until we get to the next episode. How about that? It was foreshadowing, Johnny. So, uh, Jack Bros cool game uh for cool guys like me right tyler right sure is um cool and stefan he's got some fake ass one with a fake box anyways whoa uh, fake box stefan i do have yeah that's a bad they look they look nice yeah those red ds cases are are great for uh my virtual boy games are in a stack on a shelf (laughs) if i need to play one i just like go through them like a deck of cards if you need to play one, yeah. <laughs> when, Wait, when does that? When happen? was the last time that happened? <laughs> I played yeah. Virtual Boy maybe this year, maybe last year. I forgot what it was, but uh, it's been that. I went. Your in, eyes needed that long to recuperate. I went in and I was like, you know, people are always saying they get headaches and shit. they're they're pussies. They don't know anything about Virtual Boy. And like twenty minutes later, I was like, no, I'm 
I'm f-ing done, dude. <laughs> like, never mind. This is hard. Yeah. Yeah. I get migraines normally. I'm just not trying to play Virtual Boy. Sorry. It depends um, on the game for me. Like, I I like Mario Tennis a lot, or whatever the hell it's called. The tennis game on Virtual Boy, I actually really really like. Um, and that doesn't bother me. But like, Red Alert really bothers me. I think it's just because a lot of those games have just kind of bad graphics, like that aren't very pleasant to look at. Yeah, I also don't have a problem with like 3D movies, but Virtual Boy is like a no for me. Red Alarm. Sorry, don't uh, don't at me in the comments for that. Oh, I didn't even okay. notice. I would have going to let it slip by. You know it would have been all on you about that if I re- thought of it. All right, Johnny, so let's move I, us on. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to do that. Boom. Wow. Stefan, let's go what back happened? to Red Alarm. All right. So <laughs> all right. it's a lot like Star Fox, huh? I'm I'm just <laughs> looking at the document. Someone deleted my information about Koldelka. Uh, That's messed up. Did you do that, Stefan? No. I'm, Was that you? I, I genuinely think it's messed up. I'm like... <laughs> That's cool. Anyways, so Koldelka, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right because it's K O U D E L K A, and that it's like, and that's a name, mind you. This this is the name of the game and a name of the character in the game, and this is a PS1 survival horror game. And the interesting thing, or one of the interesting things about this, it's actually a predecessor to the to the Shadow Heart stuff. So if you haven't, uh, played any of the shadow hearts games this is the, the the kind of the first one in that series it's it's got a bunch of famous producers on it. if you i mean you can go read a wikipedia article that tells you about all the the who's who's that helped come to out of like square enix to come make this game and like go off but uh, the truth be told the game didn't sell very well so i i it's a 50 dollar game here in america 50 to 60 it had a second part. Hello, dear listeners. Johnny actually started now going off talking about Echo Knight 2, which is not related to Kodelka, but he didn't realize that he was talking about Kodelka and not Echo Knight. And I found this too funny to just cut and not mention. Um, I think it's hilarious, but he all the stuff I cut, he's going to say when he's talking about Echo Knight. Uh, but it would be very confusing if I left this in as much as I wanted to. So I'm I'm cutting everything he said about Echo Knight 2 here. And you're going to hear it later on. Am I, wait, am I confusing Echo Knight and Koldelka now? I am confusing you Echo Knight. Sure sounded like you were. Whoa, I just totally merged those two games. Man, you have to uh, undo everything I just said. <laughs> okay. So, or just leave it there and let me be all embarrassed. Koldelka mm. is the predecessor to Shadow Hearts. It does not have sequels. So, I mean, it has sequels in Shadow Hearts, but they aren't like direct sequels. So it is, uh, it was made by SNK. Didn't sell great. It has a much better cover in uh, Europe than it does in America. America, you've, it doesn't like kind of alert you that it's a Halloween game unless you read into it. So go check it out. It's an RPG what do you? What else do you want to say? Um, again, Koldelka is the name. They are going through the Nebatin Mansion in Ireland. And like the team when they made the game, actually did a a trip out there as like a an inspiration trip, and they still came up with the name Koldelka. So, yikes! 
That's 100% and, the reason, by the way, that they chose that setting. They're like, all right, where do you guys want to take a trip to? And we'll call it Inspiration, and it'll be oh. a development cost. It's like how Adam Sandler makes movies. <laughs> yeah, this is... Um, anyways, uh, I think I played this for about four hours back when it came out and thought it was pretty medium as an RPG. You know, who, who knows if, uh, if it holds up to even four hours of play now. I would have to have to go check that out anyways cold elka is still like uh it's like a 90 dollars game so it's kind of expensive and moving up i think as people identify it more and more on shadow hearts uh they're linking that up shadow hearts is a series that is progressively becoming more popular uh amongst collectors for good reason um it, it had like an, a mini spike there and back in like 2007 where people were like oh man you get the shadow hearts game that kind of spiked a little and now I think people have been off them. But as people dig into the PS2 library and start to look for uh, horror and RPGs and stuff, they are they are finding Shadow Hearts again. So make sure to find this one on PS1 because this is, uh, you know, the true first game of the series. True first cool. print. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely look into it. Do you think, uh, I mean, you said it's $90, PS1 game. I guess that's not too bad. Do you think, like, stupid names keep prices down at all on games like that? I guess I, not, because we just talked about K-U-O-N. And Little well, Samson. <laughs> uh, but see, like, when you've got a setting, uh, like, you start to read the back, and you're like, in Ireland, what, what is this, Kuldelka, K-O-U, what it, I think it actually, I think bad names hurt games. Actually, I certainly I, think they do. I, I think if it seems super Japanese, like you're like, oh okay, I don't really care about that. Uh, like, I, I, it's a uh, it's that kind of game, and I'm into that. So whatever, I'll just I'll just play it. I'm not thinking about. It. But this game, like you've got like American looking characters on it, like a bunch of American faces, and you're like, Cold Delco, like what is happening? Then you're like, is it a bad translation? I don't know what's going on with this name. Is it like a traditional Irish name that they actually picked, and just no one picked up on that? I don't know how they arrived at any of their decisions. Yeah, I like uh, an I play a bunch of NES games, believe it or not. Uh, and like Magic of Shahazarad is just a game that I never think of because I don't want to think that's of how to spell it. Yeah, I mean that's based off of you know, I know, you know famous but tales. Okay, but you could have named something else. What Arabian was- Nights? Something easy to. Oh yeah, say. no, you. If they definitely called it like. Uh, a thousand and one tales or something right that would have been way better it and would again, have been at like, the front of the library like you know what game everybody knows 10 yard fight because alphabetically it's the first game on everybody's list except for maybe like eight eyes they're like oh yeah 10 right. yard fight let me put that rom into nestopia see what it Man, is eight eyes made by taxon <laughs> enjoy well and magic of shaharzad goes a step further too in that like it's also in an intelligible font like yeah. you can't it's like you can't look at that and, yeah you're just like i have no idea like for the longest time i had no idea what the actual name of that game was and i owned it but like no one had ever verbalized the name to me so i had no clue what it was yeah um but anyways yeah i think names hurt like had they just come and called this game shadow hearts you would have been like shadow hearts that sounds awesome what is that shadow hearts great name for a series Koldelka, no and Shadow oh, Hearts bad. also has that kind of like it doesn't sound like an English person made that name, but it still sounds cool appeal, unlike yeah. Coldelka. Yeah. So I, I think it hurts the collectability of it, for sure. Like I definitely didn't target it initially. I was like, nah. Let's go let's go get these names I can pronounce. So, anyways, 
Koldelka. Tyler, let's uh, get yours. All right. Uh, my least favorite on the list, probably my least banger on the list, uh, Avenging Spirit for the original Game Boy, uh, which is usually uh, in lists as like the rarest Game Boy games, although kind of totally lower not. on that spectrum. It it's is an- not. Not even close. It's not even top 20. Yeah. It's like an $80 cartridge, uh, a little bit under $400 complete. Um, it's an R7 on Nintendo Age by Go Collect, and I only bring that up because I think that in terms of Game Boy rarity, the Nintendo Age rankings are actually pretty okay. If you want to take a look at them, I might put Avenging Spirit as like an R6. I would probably bring Titus the Fox up from an R6 to an R7, but besides like maybe like moving something one, I think it's pretty good. Two or three loose copies, sell a month. Um... What I really note about this game, as we're talking about how it's not as rare as maybe, I don't want to say hype, but like common perception has always been around this game. The Game Boy market has gone up or stayed the same for like the past two years. But if you go back like four years, the Game Boy market has almost doubled. So four years ago, an average complete in box Game Boy game was $40. It's crazy to think about. I know. Today, the average complete in box game is $78. Basically, that's three years. I didn't even... How am I doing math right? 2015. Four years. Okay. <laughs> um, Avenging Spirit. According to Game Value Now, it went from $740 to $383. But I think the $740 one was a fluke. It basically went from about $500 to about $400. And for a Game Boy game to cool off, to, uh, cool off $100 bucks in that same period... Uh, I just think it's kind of interesting. Well, and to talk about just a little bit about the rarity, uh, the the box copies that have been available on eBay have been there for a little while. So it might be rare, but there just might not be a market because the Game Boy market isn't like the the people who are buying into it isn't that big. So unless it's something that hasn't been listed for a little while, there's usually not a frenzy. And Avenging Spirit went through its kind of spike, and like I think the people who really wanted it, needed it, kind of grabbed it, and now these ones have kind of been languishing at the $500 to $400 price point. I know, because I've been putting offers on one for a long time, and they, they just won't come off their price. Well, they should before it drops more, but... Uh, well, I, you would think it, but it's literally been a year I've been at this. <laughs> Well, you're you're patient, Johnny. You're not like me, where I'm just like, gotta have it now, or I will literally die. Uh, I'm gonna get bit in the ass by it, just like I did with Pocky, Rocky, and Becky. Uh, Because that game went from like 300 to like 1,000, and I don't know why. (laughs) What about Kid Dracula? I remember you uh, putting that one off. Oh, but see, I got that for my price. Oh, you did? I got it. Yeah. I thought you ended up paying for that. No, no. I I got Kid Dracula for like $180 or something stupid. I found a great U.S. copy for a dumb price. But now there's a variant. I have to decide if I care about the variant of Kid Dracula. That's nope. for another episode. Uh, Tyler, tell me a little bit of why you chose Avenging Spirit, though. Because isn't this a mob game? Well, okay, just to be 100% clear, it's a, uh, it's a 2D platformer where you play as a ghost and you take control of enemies and control them. Uh, I totally haven't played character. it, but the different enemies have different characteristics. I want to say it's like a reverse Kirby, which is a neat uh, kind of neat mechanic. But I I totally picked this because I wanted to pick Bubble Ghost. I believe both of these are actually arcade games that were ported to Game Boy. But anyway, 
Uh, Bubble Ghost, another pretty uncommon Game Boy game, because Bubble Ghost is freaking adorable. And then Johnny's like, why don't you choose Avenging Spirit? Because if you look at the Japanese box art for Avenging Spirit, it's got an adorable ghost that looks like it would totally be Bubble Ghost's friend. I just want them, I want a TV show, I want like an anime of Avenging Spirit hanging out with Bubble Ghost. They are both just the most adorable things. And the stupid American box art of Avenging Spirit is a freaking gangster shooting Awful. a Tommy gun. It's like, right. oh, you thought that the nine-year-old kids wouldn't buy this adorable ghost. It's like when they give Kirby angry eyebrows. <sighs> yeah, it's the it's like Sonic with a gun. You're like, we no one asked for this. Yeah, Sonic with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you mean Atari, not arcade? Or did you mean arcade? Uh, I believe they're both arcade games. Oh. Oh. But... Oh. I know Avenging Spirit is. I don't know about Bubble Ghost. Oh, no, Bubble Ghost was an Atari ST game. You're right. That's that's what we were talking about, right? Yep. Okay. Well, I was close. That counts. All right. Uh, anything else to say on that, or should we go to Stefan? I don't Steph? know enough about Avenging Spirit. It wasn't my banger. All right. <laughs> Stefan? Reverse Kirby is definitely a sex thing. Like, I feel like... You're, Kirby has no gender. You're just he? talking about how uncomfortable you are, and now you want to talk about sex things with Kirby? Can we get off like, of this, like, like hey, wherever this is right now? Hey, hey how much lend the reverse Kirby? To sex things. We're going to have to, like, this is going to be like, hey, even though this is a Halloween episode, it's not for kids. Move on. <laughs> Thanks, Stefan. a bad word. It's not a bad word, Johnny. No, but that's not necessarily, like, people, like, dads in their cars listening to us don't necessarily want their kid in the back to hear it. I want to hear about the reverse curve. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm good. I'm. I'm I think to do the reverse curve, you need to take out a rib. That's, that's the rumor. I heard Marilyn Manson did it. Oh God. Okay. So, Brain Dead Thirteen. I know I've I've referenced this before on the podcast i can't uh, and and johnny doesn't remember either whether or not i actually mentioned it on a halloween episode i know i posted it on instagram before uh but branded 13 it's a dragon's lair-esque um fmv uh late quote-unquote laser disc game um it's on all of the platforms at the time and generally uh around the same price so like 40 dollars complete regardless of what uh platform you get it apparently has a CDI version, but I can't find any pricing data on it ever selling ever. Uh, it was only in Europe on the CDI. That's probably what Oh, yeah? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. But, uh, so yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty competent uh, FMV game if you like the Laserdisc um, kind of, are they, did we call them rhythm games? What the hell do you call those games? Like I, I usually call them laser disc games, timing timing I mean, games. I that's kind of what they are. Interactive movie, maybe. Somebody somebody at me with like a good description. Quick time, quick time action, like because that's what it's called in like modern games when you have to do that thing. Yeah, like a quick time event. Yeah, so I think it's it's basically that the game. I think if we were one of the Yeet kids, they would just call it oh that quick time event game. That's that's probably yeah. the genre it is now. Yeah, it's it is super cheesy, sort of horror Halloween themed. You play a pizza delivery guy that delivers a pizza to a mansion with a crazy mad scientist guy, and Igor chases you around with the chainsaw and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's right up our alley there. 
Uh, but I actually really like the game. That's why I talk about it a lot. Um, it's also fairly uncommon, yet not terribly pricey uh, on a lot of platforms. Saturn, I know it's it's a little bit uh, more difficult to find. But again, like between 40 and, like say, 40 and 60 bucks, we'll get you a copy. It's on PS1, right? Longbox? Uh, yeah, I don't want to say long. Maybe. long. I know it's jewel case. I don't know 100% whether or not it is Longbox as well. Oh man, am I am I having a stroke? Is it just because no, I've seen it? No, you probably aren't. You probably aren't. But but it does. But the, obviously, like the Saturn one is long box, so you might have. Maybe, maybe I'm having a stroke. Uh, yeah, uh, it's long box. Okay. Whew. Cool. Whew. Whew. All right. Dodge that bullet. I'm like, I don't think there is a jewel case for that one. Actually, oh, okay. for I, I I do not own it. So on okay. PS One, I have it. I have it on Saturn. All right. Saturn and 3DO. So yeah, also a long box version. Go get it. Yeah, uh, you know what? You know what has a jewel case? Actually, the first edition of Brain Dead Thirteen, which was not a laser disc, it was released for MS DOS in 1995 as opposed to all the console the... ports, which came out in 1996. That's right. All of the console versions are ports. It's for banger consoles like the CDI and 3DO and yeah. Jaguar CD. Bangers. Yep, yeah, bangers for sure. All right. Um... Stephen, you got more to say? Am I moving us? No, I think that's it. Move us on. All right. Let's talk about Juwan. Uh, Again, probably pronouncing that wrong. Oh, J U O N. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Uh, Haunted House Simulator for the Wii. Can't believe I'm talking about a Wii game. But as far as Wii games go, it it is collectible on the Wii. It's one of those games that uh, people are after. It's always, you know, they always want it's like $40, but. Like, I see it go as high as 65 A fun fact about it, it does have a Canadian variant. So, you can get one that says, like, just Juwan, The Grudge, Haunted House Simulator, like the normal, you know, U.S. copy. But then there's one that has French on it. So, both of those exist. So, you're not crazy if your version has some French on it. So, don't don't worry about that. There are two different versions. Again, 40 to $65 on it. It's also made by Xseed, a publisher that people tend to just pick up. You see it, and then you're like, oh, this is a collectible publisher. And I'll, so we're definitely scooping that up. So some interesting stuff about it is it was actually, you know, for the 10th anniversary of the ring, they brought the director back to be the director of the game. And I'm going to ruin his name, uh, Takashi uh, Shimizu, for this. So sorry, that guy, uh, for ruining your name. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he came back and put his vision on it. It's a new story, so it's not just, like, a port of it. But, again, it's not, like, a direct... It's not, like... It's a weird game. That's why they called it Haunted House Simulator, because they give you these instances and moments you can kind of create stuff for scares. And the idea was, like, you could create a scare for anyone in your whole family with this Haunted House Simulator. And it just didn't work out very well. Uh, It was not well-received. People did not like it. It didn't sell well, but the collector's market did pick it up and uh, has started to create a clamor for it. So if you're somebody who's into Wii U or looking into the future of like, hey, if I'm ever collecting the Wii U, what might be hard later? This is one of those games I would just go ahead and knock out, along with anything else that says Xseed on it, and just be happy to be done with it. I'm sorry, Johnny. Was it Wii or Wii U? Wii. Okay. Yep. Don't you have every Wii U game now? Shouldn't you know this? No, he said Wii U. Am I crazy? I think you're crazy. Did I say Wii U? I'm pretty pretty sure we'll do the whoop 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 whoop. Yeah, please do. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. That's why I stopped and said it because I I I thought that you said Wii U the last like. It's okay. 
Now you just look silly, Stefan. No, one of us is going to look silly. Now I'm I'm interested. We'll see. I'm interested. Yeah, we will. I don't, I'm not going to look silly if I just got it wrong. Sorry, guys, just got it wrong. I could have just literally cut out the you if you just said that, but no, now we're going to fight about it. Yeah, somehow Tyler's now made it about me and him. I don't know how that works. (laughs) So if you're somebody who's into Wii U, Wii U, Wii U. Stefan wins. I just Anyways, winning, man. Tyler, let's get on to your true bangers. Hold on, Johnny. You said that this one has a variant with French text on it, so it came from Canada. Yeah. So just to be clear to everyone out there, if there is a choice between stupid ESRB with Canadian text and regular ESRB, you 100% go for the regular ESRB. 100%. Because no one wants those... Sticker sealed Mario 3s from Canada with the dirty Mattel logo on it. Just like no one's ever going to want their stupid Canadian Wii games. It also just mucks up the art when you have all the extra language on there. Uh, As someone who has done a a deep dive into games that also came out in Canada as opposed to the U.S. And like which games uh, came out in all like for North America in all three regions with all three languages on them. It, it gets kind of messy, and it's console-dependent, and sometimes game-dependent. Um, I, I hate it. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes the only thing that'll be an indicator is the ESRB. Sometimes they won't put, like, the French title on the cover. It'll just be some French text in the ESRB until you get into the, the manual or the back of the box. So there's all kinds of Canadian variants out there that probably people don't even realize they have. Yep, yeah, and I hate when I figure out that I have one. Uh, but, but you shout might out not to, have uh, all our listeners from Ontario. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Um, I know you're all out there, and I only know that because Ontario is the only place in Canada that people live. All right. Okay. What about Vancouver? Nope. Doesn't nope. count. Okay. Uh, but one the last thing to just say about the ESRB thing. Some games were just produced where, where it has the French and uh, Spanish text on on it or just the French and the English text on the only copy of it. So it just has a North American release. So it covers all Yeah, there's tons of games like that. I think especially on Wii U, I have a ton like that. Right. Because they just wised up and said, why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Turns out us English people not bothered by French text that much when it comes to purchasing decisions. We don't go like, oh, the French. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. All right. Go on, Tyler. Uh, So... It's time, Johnny, for uh, not only the most important game of the podcast, not only the most important game in a genre, but uh, one of the games I would accept as an answer, I I would accept the argument that it's one of the most important games of all time. It is Mystery House for the Apple II, uh, made by Ken and Roberta Williams, who I think might be coming up later on the show. Didn't you just sell for $1,000? Is that the one you sent me the picture of? We will get into what this sells for, yes. Um, recently, a copy on eBay did sell for $1,000. We'll talk about it. Right. Okay, so, sorry, go on. Uh, Mystery House, very important. It is the first graphical adventure game. I believe it came out in 1979. It's either 1979 or 1980. Maybe it was programmed in 1979, actually released in 1980. But uh, basically, uh, Ken Williams, just like some accountant guy, and he played Colossal Cave Adventure, an incredibly important adventure game. Uh, for whatever computer he had. It wasn't an Apple II, but um, he wanted to play more games like it, and he couldn't find any more like it, so he went to his wife, and his wife liked the game, and they're just like, let's make our own game. That would be fun. And so they designed this game together, and like she did all the art, he did all the programming, 
they invented this company, Online Systems, which you know now as Sierra Online, and they just put out an ad in a magazine, and they sold it through baggies. And the uh, the kind of the conventional wisdom is that, like, none of those copies got out there. Uh, because, like, a Calabeth is kind of the holy grail of PC games, and there's, like, I, I, I can't put a number on it. There's almost no original copies of a Calabeth out there. Uh, apparently... Mystery House sold 10,000 copies in uh, Ziploc bags, basically. And so we're going to go into the releases here. There are three different Ziploc bag releases. The very first release is a Ziploc bag. They're, they're all five and a quarter floppies. It has a blue sheet of instructions, a gold label with a white sleeve. And the biggest text, the biggest text on the disc, it doesn't say Mystery House. It says High Res Adventure Number 1. And then the second release, they put a white label on the disc, added a registration card to the package. That's the second release. The third release goes back to the same disc as the first release with the gold label, except this time it has a blue sleeve and it comes in a white folder with a picture on it. So it actually has a mystery house. So it's not just like an instruction sheet with a disc. Now it actually, it's a presentable package. This third release sold this year i've summer sometime like july for over a thousand dollars it was like just over a thousand dollars which is nuts when you think about like print run and importance like obviously it's still the mail order version of this game it's probably the most attractive version of this game to own uh because later releases they do have a bigger folder that they came with but this is like the mail order release it's cool but still a thousand dollars for essentially the third release of a game of a disc-only PC game that Johnny thinks is totally not collectible. Crazy. It is crazy. Clearly someone's collecting it. We're out here, Johnny. I'm not, I'm not into this crazy nonsense, but we're out here. And then um, one more release of Mystery House, 1982. Uh, it's only two years later. It's, it's either considered the re-release or the fourth release of the game. It comes in this big black folder with a picture on it. It comes with like a few pages of instructions. Um, it has a different kind of gold label disc in a brown sleeve. So this gold label has Mystery House in like a stylized font. So if you see like Mystery House in a stylized font, that's not the one you want. You want the gold label that just says, uh, it's like what adventure high res adventure game number one. Um, so the this fourth release, the copyright on the discs is 1980. That doesn't mean you want it. And the only reason I'm going so far into this, there is a disc only copy of Mystery House on eBay right now for $200 that is from this release, and the description says, I think it's from the first release, and he's clearly lying, so don't buy that, is why I want to say that. And that that re-release, it apparently sold, like, over 80,000 copies. And you can't find any of these. Like, this game apparently sold 90,000 copies. You can't find a, a copy of Mystery House. Uh, People so, put them in the trash. Yeah, because uh, th this was, like, like Pac-Man times. It was, like, the very, very early 80s. Um, so... One of the most important games of all time. You'll never find it. Good luck, guys. A lot of people ahead of you have already been looking for this for years. Yikes. Just because it's going to bother me, uh, Colossal Cave Adventure was for the PDP-10 mainframe. Ooh. That's, Is that that's it? That it wasn't ported to anything? That was, that was the... I mean, it may later have been, but the original... It was originally done on the PDP-10 mainframes. Back then, I mean, a lot of the, like, iconic games for PC, especially the text adventure stuff, was done on mainframe, you know, shared, shared mainframe environments. I thought Colossal Cave Adventure had some kind of, like, pack-in, and it was called, like, Microsoft Adventure. Look for, like, Microsoft in whatever you're looking at. 
Microsoft released versions of Adventure in 1989 for the Apple II Plus and TRS-80. That's probably what they played. I just know that that version is like the most common version of Colossal Cave Adventure. Some hot tip for you. If you're looking for Colossal Cave Adventure uh, in the strong Museum of Play Video Game Hall of Fame as one of the most important games ever made. All there right. You go. Whoop, whoop. No, one, no one cared about any of that. No, I and, cared about that. Well, it, like, it, it's also an inspiration for games like Zork and stuff, which are also very, very important games. So, yeah. basically, basically, just about every text adventure spun out of Colossal Cave Adventure. Yeah. I, I mean, Roberta Williams really pushed the limits of graphics, I think. So, she obviously made the graphics for this game, first game, first adventure game with graphics. It's still like a type in, like, take thing kind of game. And then she went on to make King's Quest, the first uh, graphic adventure game with animation. Basically, every adventure game you've ever played owes itself to King's Quest because they basically all copied the same formula. And then right. she uh, she also made a, a pretty neat pushing the edge FMV game. I heard Stefan. That's right. Speaking of Roberta Williams, hmm. uh, <laughs> here's your PC Power Hour. Yeah, thanks for the lead in there, Tyler. Uh, so yeah, my last game is Phantasmagoria. It's an FMV point and click uh, for the PC. Uh, designed by Roberta, Roberta Williams. Um, it is uh, essentially a murder mystery game centered around like demon possession and uh, the supernatural. Um, it is... So the thing that I, as I was doing research for this, the thing that I thought was super, super bonkers was a couple of the like production cost stats. So this game was, first of all, it had like 25 professional act actors, a 550 page script, which is bananas. Um, but also it was budgeted for $800,000, but the actual price to make the game was $4.5 million. And it was also shot on a $1.5 million sound studio that Sierra built specifically for this game. So like, it just goes to show you how like ballers sierra was in the 90s because they're just like yeah we're just gonna blow the budget by like six or seven times and then uh and then build a like you know one and a half million dollar studio to house this one project that's a uh, that's pretty rude to have an eight hundred thousand dollar budget and then to double it just to build your sound stage <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, good good budget do you mind if we double it uh, right and then for a sound stage right and then double and then, that <laughs> right uh, but yeah, that's that's nuts. Um, I mean, it's a great game as far as that the the FMB games of that era go, um, and uh, it's about sixty bucks complete, uh, so not too expensive. But as far as you know, it is definitely one of the first games people think of when they think of FMV horror games. Um, so it's definitely one of those games where PC big box collectors generally have to have it in their collection. Um, I think they just made a ton of them because uh, they sold through in the first, uh, God, I want to say two weeks or three weeks, it sold like $12 million worth of copies. So there's definitely a lot of copies out there. Um so, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good game. You should play it. Uh, I will warn you there. It is notorious for having a, uh, a rape scene in it. Um, so there's that, but then that was, you know, 
pretty controversial at the time because um, it was definitely in the time of you know watchdog watchdog groups were had a lot of traction at that time so yeah, I, to- um, I totally forgot about the rape scene i didn't believe you when you said that and then i looked it up and i'm like oh this isn't so bad and i'm like oh, no this is yeah, for the 90s, pretty bad. this is pretty bad. Yeah, like, pretty bad. way worse than something like Night Trap, which literally has almost nothing very objectionable in it. Like, Yeah, it was like implied sexual violence versus this was like, like a straight it, up rape They had rape clothes scene. on, but yeah, it's like, well, this is clearly a sexual assault happening in front of my eyes from multiple angles. Oh, my God. Right. So... Uh, I it was not. Uh, I really wanted it to be the first FMV adventure game, just so Roberta Williams would have kind of like the trifecta of graphical adventures. But I'm gonna guess that Mist was the first FMV adventure game. Sure. I mean, and well, but th- they are a little bit different in that, like when I'm talking about like FMV point and clicks, that's like third person. Like you're still seeing your character walk around the screen and that kind of thing. Um, whereas Mist is like definitely first person. But but even then, uh, Gabriel Knight Two was a Sierra. FMV point and click that actually. Oh, it wasn't even their one. first one. So, okay. Yeah. So Sierra had so yeah, much it, money. It's just it's just notable because you know Roberto Williams was at the helm and she spent a god load of money to make this game. Well, it definitely a big hit. Uh, if you find a random lot of PC games, you are very likely to find Sierra games, and you are very likely to find Phantasmagoria among them, along with like the Seventh Guest, which is in every freaking lot of PC games. And 11th Hour, the sequel to 7th Guest. Yep. Even I have those in PC Big Box. That's crazy, Johnny. I don't believe you. Like, the so we say, I don't, you said it sold some million. It, it sold a lot. Like, it sold a lot in the mid-90s, and people still have those boxes. It's, like, totally incomparable to something like Mystery House, where it might have sold 90,000 copies, but no one has those freaking copies anymore. They're just gone. Right. right. All right. So yeah. That's Phantasmagoria. Yeah. Cool. Get- and that's been your PC Power Hour. Now back to your regularly scheduled consoles. <laughs> All right, I got to right. step out, guys. Uh, this is going to sounds boring. We're going back to consoles. Oh, uh, yep. See you later, Tyler. Bye. Nice having you here. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about Echo Knight. So Echo Knight is a survival horror game on the PS1. It goes for about $50, you know, in that range, 50 to 60 It's a game that has two sequels. It's, but the, it's, it's one of these dumb ones. And I hate when this happens in games where the second one stays in Japan and then they're like, oh, people did like that. We won't bother porting the second one over. Let's just make the third one over here. So then the third one came out in, uh, on the PS2 and came to America. And it also kind of shifts a little bit. It, it has the, the trope that Tyler also doesn't like or is more forgiving because it was the, the late 90s. But Echo Knight 1 is, uh, you know, this horror game about, you know, um, this police guy who goes out and there's like a a haunted boat and that's where they're going, right? But what happens in in the sequel there is like, oh, let's kind of redo it and reimagine it. And then um, we'll put it in a haunted house. And the games are... You know, it's the same character, but they're like 25 years later somehow. So, anyways, it's such like a weird trope that they do sometimes. And then Echo Knight Beyond is like weird because it happens on the moon. It's like the not too distant future. So, there's some weird stuff going out uh, on this game. But it was like received okay. Like, people didn't love it, didn't hate it. The cover is pretty boring on the PS1, but the but the name is fine, unlike Koldelka, um, which has the worst name. 
Uh, anyways, there's not a whole lot to say about it. It is a, a PS1 game that has picked up a little bit of steam, and I would keep my eye on it. It's just like one of those games that that is uh, middle trending towards top, not not solid middle. It's like definitely one of, one of those ones that people kind of know about, and the value will continue to push if PS1 games start to rise. So this is uh, this one isn't my banger uh, like some of my other ones. Stop but, it! Uh, <laughs> but it don't is be a, down uh, on your last game, Johnny. This this is not my last game. I have one yeah. more after this. Yep. So, but this is just a quick one. Like, definitely take a look. If you see a good copy of this complete, pick it up for sure. And then again, look for the sequel because on PlayStation Three, I we talked about our PlayStation Two. We talked about that Triumvirate, but like Echo Night Beyond is one of those games that is like slowly moving towards high prices there too. So if that one ever starts to crest, you know, into that territory, if it starts to be in the top. 10 most expensive games on the PS2, then games like the original Echo Knight are going to be drug, you know, further up in price. So that's why I want everyone to keep an eye on this one. Uh, also, just one more thing about Echo Knight 2. Echo Knight 2 is called uh, Echo Knight 2, The Lord of Nightmares. Why didn't we get this game? Sounds great. Anyways. Well, we got uh, Kid Clown in the Nightmares. I don't remember the name of Kid Clown. I'm Nightmare sorry, City, right? Was it Nightmare City? Is that it? I don't remember. What? You're the one who told me that Nightmare and Nightmare yeah. was a word pun, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> Blew your mind with that one. Yep. Okay. Tyler, did Johnny f*** us on this? Because he has one more game, and I don't know how that happened. I thought he started... Oh no, he started with me. He should have started with himself, because he has more games than us, which is the only thing nope. that would have made sense, but yeah, he chose to start with me instead. So we have the number 13, gentlemen. It's an odd number. Okay. Right? All and right. Because I wasn't going to talk much about Echo Knight, so... You sure didn't. We just spent, like, right. four minutes on it, maybe? Yeah. Well, we're spending too much time now. Anyways, um, I want to talk about another PS1 game that it doesn't get a lot of attention, and it's weird because we've already talked about this game. It's Castlevania, but this is for the PS1. It's Castlevania Chronicles. So, the thing about this game is it is just a port of the Sharp X68000, or whatever it is, I don't know exactly how we call this thing, of the Sharp one, which was a better version of the original, well, better, different version of the original NES one with some improved graphics, more sounds, some new bosses, some different levels. But this game is sneakily expensive. Everyone's like, Symphony of the Night, Symphony of the Night, uh, Greatest Hit Symphony of the Night, Symphony of the Night, and they forget about Castlevania Chronicles which is quietly a $90 game right now, pushing towards $100. And during the Halloween season, you probably will play that. And it's it's Castlevania. It's the most well-known series there is, and, you know, for Halloween stuff. So this isn't a game that's just going to go away. But somehow people, like, are, are quiet about this game, but it's still $90. It was also kind of a late release, budget title, low print run. Um, so if you're looking for it, it's actually harder to find like you'll see symphony of the night much less were made than symphony of the night so if you're like prioritizing them symphony of the night's always going to be there and you can play it on multiple places if you're just looking to play it if you're looking for the castlevania for a collector on that definitely buy chronicles and uh, the reason we did all this because i wanted to bookend it stefan with castlevanias i have a question is this also a port of the msx2 game 
Because the way that you de- the way that you described the X sixty eight thousand game, it sounds like what it sounds like what a Vampire Slayer or whatever the hell that one is called. I'm not I'm not sure how how all the porting works. If that one like we went back and looked at that as a port, but when you look up info on this one, because it's just a Castlevania game with more more stages, some better sounds, and then there were some minor improvements made for the PS one as well, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if on the MSX version, if this is a different version of like Vampire Killer or whatever, or Haunted Castle. I kind of want Castlevania Chronicles now. I like I, I didn't care about Castlevania Chronicles at all, but I like Castlevania. But it's more expensive than the freaking real NES game complete in box, or it's about the same. It's about the same, but and it's the cover a is worse. Game, I can't yeah. pay money for PlayStation games. That is such a hard, bad feeling when I do that. So, like, the cover is, like, pretty interesting. Like, like you see the castle. Like, I love the style of the castle and everything. And then you get, like, where they've started to go very Japanese on the art style for the men. So, like, you're Simon Belmont there. You're just like, Simon Belmont got red hair now and kind of looked like a lady. And is, like, caught in a wrought iron fence for some reason, which makes no sense. And Dracula looks, like, a little wolfish at the same time as being, you know, like... Dracula looks more like Alucard there than than Dracula. It, I don't know. They're both weird. very sexy. They are super sexy. This is uh, the sexiest Castlevania cover, probably. They are perfect men. Also, the full art of this, I don't know what I'm looking at. If it's a flyer for the Japanese game, is way better than how it got cropped for the stupid oh, yeah, PlayStation this case. Is, yeah, this is a terrible cropping. Like, the, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the background art is pretty interesting and cool, but, like, the main characters are, like... That especially the cropping, they they weren't doing anyone any favors. Anyways, so that's hey. been. Oh, sorry. What do you got? I was just gonna say while we're talking about Castlevania and being sexy, if anybody out there has been sleeping on the Netflix series, I just finished the second season the other day. It is amazing. If anybody hasn't seen Castlevania on Netflix, please go watch it. It's incredible. Yeah, Castlevania Netflix, super good. Tyler, so good. did you watch it? I watched the first season and then forgot about it forever. So I Go guess I should watch the second season because it's Halloween time. You should. Yeah. It's so oh, it's so good, so good. So. All right, that's been our thirteen collectible Halloween games. Hope you learned a little something about these. Definitely ones um, to pick up. I mean, we gave you a wide breadth of them, so collect what's in your wheelhouse. Uh, if some of these appeal to you, hopefully they do, and uh, let us know and show us if uh, you picked any of these up uh, for Halloween season this year. I mean, it was, it was 12 collectible Halloween games and Echo Knight, which we also mentioned. Echo Knight is going to be collectible. I'm telling you. It's better Maybe than we'll Brain have Dead a podcast 13. in the future about what is collectible. Yeah, I, I'm not... I, I don't know anything about Echo Knight. I'm just on it because you didn't seem like you cared very much about it. Oh, no. It's, it's just like, there's not... There's no, like, weird controversy. It's just like a medium, pretty medium game. There's not a lot to to, like, juice it up. You know, it's just like... Here's your basic facts about this game. Not all of them are going to be, what's that, Tower? Bangers. They're not all going to be bangers. You say Castlevania Chronicles, you're like, Sharp X 68,000, and like people's ears perk up, they're like, oh, that's something that's expensive and sexy. Yep. Echo Knight. That that X 68,000 box art is sexy. It really is. I bet that costs a lot of money. It's like 300 bucks. Really? It's 300 bucks and I might buy it right now. <laughs> I mean, buy it now, now that we mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
uh, yeah, it is not you. The, the eBay has got several copies, but it's uh, then they're all about three hundred bucks. There you go. So let's move on to the next part of the show and just talk about very quickly what we bought and uh, what we're playing right now. Uh, if you played anything, if you bought anything, Stefan, go ahead, lead us in. So Crush I us uh, with all of your stuff. I bought Castlevania for the X sixty eight thousand. This so this doesn't have the box art that we were talking about. This is a totally different box art. No, I know, but it's amazing. Yeah, um, it's still good. Yeah, it's got this awesome picture of Simon Belmont on it. But uh, anyway, um, what did I buy? I uh, bought a pant load of Wii U games for no reason. That was a thing I did. Um, it was just one of those things where uh, someone was like, hey, you want to buy like all my Wii U games? And I'm like, uh, okay, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, so I did that. What else did I do? Uh, I'm I'm deathly close to the to finishing. Well, hold on, hold uh, on, hold on. What? Yes, yes. Why, why exactly did you buy those wii u games i don't know was it was it because you saw a video by no no mjr because <laughs> no. it's weird i mean you know forgive I, me for jumping I to don't. conclusions but that metal jesus puts out a video that you should be collecting wii u we're a collectible show you could have just asked us instead of going to MJR. i, don't, That's all I don't deny that the timing is suspect i i but <laughs> but uh, the when Tyler linked me that video, that was the first time that I've seen it. Scott's honor. Um, I, I just want to say I definitely did not link you that video. Yeah, well, when you linked it in chat, someone linked it in chat. That was me, hundred okay. percent, Johnny. Okay. Yeah, that was me, one hundred percent trolling you. Nice. Yep. So, uh, additionally, I am real, 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 real close to finishing the Black Label set for GameCube. Uh, by <laughs> when I say real, real close, I mean I'm one game away. Uh, it's not even that rare, and, and uh, I don't know if do I want to say it just in case I don't have it by the time this airs. I'm slow yeah. at editing, so you could All do right. whatever you want. All right, so it's Groove Rider for the GameCube is um is the one game I need, and it's one of those things where it's like it's not expensive. Like the last time they sold that, it, it's like eight between twenty and thirty dollars. But there's just no copies on eBay, and it makes me very sad. Ooh, same thing on find. Xbox for that game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, weird. I mean, not re- isn't it a slot car racing game? Not very weird that not a lot of people had that one. Right, but but it's weird that it's like seemingly scarce and yet cheap as f. Because people don't set collect. Because set collecting's dumb. <laughs> set collecting is dumb. I should uh, stop. It's not a sexy game. Like Rule of Rose, like whatever. You could pretend like it's the rarest thing ever. It's still got that sexy horror appeal. It's got Atlas on it. This is a, a racing game. No one's ever going to care. Yep. I agree. Uh, and I hope you about? have it by the time that this goes out. I'm going to edit this tonight. Uh, okay, well, I'll definitely get it. be able to get it at Portland. I'm sure someone will have it at Portland. He yep. says, and then doesn't find it at Portland. <laughs> Game is going to spike. It's going to be the <laughs> new. It. <laughs> it's going to be new, the new Disney basketball. I was just going to say the same exact thing. Uh, yep. I know. I know. You are screwed. Um, so that I I also have bought a few things for the display for uh, my gameplay counselor display at Portland, but I think I'm going to not mention those right now because we are so close to Portland. Secret and, secrets. Uh, and I don't want to, I have been posting things that I'm putting in the display on Instagram and I just, you know, I'd like to keep a few things for people to see for the first time there. So I'm not going to mention what else I bought. I did, however, guys, actually play a game. 
Holy what? Which is crazy. Uh, I uh, played in Beat Link's Awakening for the uh, for the Switch. And nice. It. And it was the first time I I did not uh, play that as a kid. I slept on that as a kid. So uh, so it was a a brand new experience for me. And because uh, I hear it's it's a like a one to one like screen to screen practically uh, retelling of the original. So uh, but it was good. I liked it. And it was like exactly, especially for like how crazy and hectic and and weird my life is it was like exactly the length that i needed and um you know so i felt fulfilled and yet it didn't take me a, a ton of time you know it was a, just a couple sittings um was it, and i uh, remember so i don't know if they streamlined anything i remember i played Link's awakening this year i'm pretty sure and as i was going through it i'm like this is a pretty damn long game this is like a really serious zelda game well it's, it, it's I think, long for a zelda it, well and it's it's long for a game boy right like yeah. it's long it's long yes. for a game boy title yeah, but long for like an original 8-bit, you know, 16-bit Zelda game. Like if you, if they remade The Legend of Zelda and like made it in a modern kind of streamlined style where it wasn't like trying to kick your ass, like people would say like, wow, that game's pretty short. I beat it in three hours. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing. Like I was reading a bunch of reviews for it and like there were people who were griping on how short it was, but Link's Awakening? Uh, yeah, it's um, a, yeah. I saw like Jim a, Sterling going on. He's like, "Oh, it's so retro and plain." And oh, which like, is it was uh, a, that yeah. all of that is wrong. Right. Uh, I, I, Top five I Zelda mean, game. I haven't played the yeah, original, but the original is that it's the weird. game. I hadn't played it either, Stefan, and I beat it as well. So I weirdly also played a game and loved it. It's but. weird seeing the shift in reviews because, like, a few years ago, it was the case where, like, with with like children's games, you had like these middle aged or these like these like teenage bro, like Halo playing bros, reviewing these kids games, uh, and they were like, "Well, this f- sucks. It's for kids," and we're like, "Yeah, bro, it's for kids. Like, what the?" F-? Um, and but now there's like the shift in reviewers where like it's these younger reviewers now reviewing games that are like being put out for like us kind of an older generation because that's you know there is a segment of the industry that's trending with our age group because we started you know like the nes generation right um and so it's 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 a like a prejudice going the other way now where like there's games being made for gamers who are older than these reviewers and they're just not understanding and they're like oh well this is just so retro and it's like yeah bro it's not for you it's for us Video game reviewers are all frauds. They know nothing about games. They're terrible at games. They don't know anything about emulation. They don't know anything about old games. They don't know anything about video game history. <laughs> if you're a video game journalist, you're a fucking fraud. That's oh, what wow. I'm trying to say. Whoa, whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Calling them journalists is like really loose of you. I don't know anything about video game journalism. That's a whole separate thing. Whatever video game journalism is, I people there's like controversy well, there not, i'm just talking about people who try to put a number journalism. grade on a video game you guys know nothing all of you you're terrible johnny you got me i i legitimately thought you were gonna like real tyler in there and then you were like whoa 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 <laughs> journalists <laughs> uh, as someone who has a degree in journalism i find them particularly offensive like every everybody who's ever written anything for ign and say like the last three years pretty much all garbage Sorry. Yeah, years. <laughs> that that that's how far back you're going. That's it. I'm just I I'm just saying. In the last three years, particularly, it's all been hot garbage. There there have been like some retrospectives before where it looked like somebody did some work, but they weren't a journalist. They were just someone who actually did some research. 
it's crazy when you find like a good video game article on the internet and you're like, oh my God, this is like, there's like original work that went into here. There's, there's insightful comments. There's 99% of quote unquote video game journalism. It's like you, an AI could have literally wrote it and you wouldn't have been able to tell. It's just like pulling in information, copy pasting it a little bit. And it's like, this is my article. Every, every review site also has like the same seven tidbits about it. It's like, here's, here's what you did. Here's the the game comes out this fifty dollars blah 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 review score and you're like okay X Men Origins Wolverine really makes you feel like Wolverine you can play well, as all of the X Men which is great and has a lot of variety it it just doesn't matter anymore because that kind of journalism here is dead all of this stuff is going going to videos now so it's like who cares like if you watch IGN or if you like even look at that garbage site you're like oh here's like a a clickbaity article. I, I just want to see this quick fact. Why is there a three-minute video here? I, I just needed... Like, it was like... Literally should have been a paragraph. And instead, now there's like a video. And they're like, Oh, do you want to watch this video? Are you over 17? Okay, cool. Now here's 27 minutes of ads for your 30-second clip. You're like, I, I didn't need this in my life. Um, yeah, no, it's all terrible. The, the modern internet is uh, kind of gross in, in that respect. It's true. And game reviewers, they like, I, I just like saying game journalists, like there's just like not really a need, you know, there's just people who there's just pundits now, people who sit around and talk about games on videos. And that's, that's just where we are. And I mean, we're part of that crew, right? Like we sit around and talk about the collectible, the collectible aspects of games, but you know, these people, they just... No, they, I tell they get you when I don't like, play a game, but video game people will be like... I, I played 33% of this game. It's time to give it a review. I played oh, yeah, five no. hours this MMO. What's up, Stefan? You want to you wanna keep on video game journalists? No, I'm... Stop calling them journalists. <laughs> I'm fondly looking at my new copy of Castlevania for the X68000. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So, um... Anyways, Stefan, that's what you uh, that's what you played. Do you want to tell us anything else you played, or is that it? Uh, oh, I um, I I did also buy because of the battery in my my, I don't know what are we calling it. The original Switch was dying. I also went ahead and picked up a Switch Lite, and I I like it a lot. You guys, I think it's a, the form factor works for me. Um, I like how sturdy it feels in my hands because i think for me at least for my particular unit of my original switch the the flex and the joy cons when they were attached because i basically never docked my switch so um so the light also works for me in that respect but um the flexing of the joy cons really bothered me and it made it feel kind of cheap and while the light is definitely lighter weight uh the single piece construction kind of gives it a rigidity that i really liked so uh so yeah i personally really like the switch light it just like for me it's like a 100% unnecessary item oh for sure and like i said had had the battery in my switch not been failing then uh then i may not have purchased it but it was just right time right place and uh and i really like it a lot i got the uh, turquoise one and i uh I'm happy with that decision too. Like I, I will 100% buy one one day. Uh, they'll sucker me in with a Zelda special edition, for sure. like for sure. Like it, it, they're gonna redo the original Zelda in the same style that they just did Link's Awakening, and I'm gonna be like, "Yep, I'm buying that one. Give me that uh, green and gold uh, Switch you've got." And if Nintendo, if you're listening, please do that, and you can have my money immediately. Um, 
yeah, that's all it's going to take. I wish I liked the Switch because this hardware seems neat, but I just... Uh, give me an Animal Crossing game, man. I got nothing on Switch right now. I love the Switch. I like Super My Mario favorite. Maker 2 is pretty cool. I haven't put enough time into it. My favorite console right now. All right, uh, Tyler, uh, I've talked a lot about what I played and stuff, but why don't you tell us what what you've bought and what you've played? Uh, well, I wasn't... I, I got... Let's say... Let's look at what I got here. I got um, the Holy Grail of video games... The real holy grail of video games and one of the most important games ever. So I'm coming at you with the trifecta here. And so I wasn't oh. even going to mention this last one. <laughs> I got a, a complete copy of Civilization on PC. A game that revolutionized the genre and stayed on top of it since 1992. You uh, said that and you said, what else has done that? I was like, Mario Brothers? There, there are platform games besides Mario Brothers that can but, compete. like the. Uh, but Mario still stayed on top, right? Not in the GameCube days. I would argue there are platformers uh, yeah. on the PS2 that outshine uh, okay. Mario Sunshine. Okay, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you it there. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, time. you're right. Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario Galaxy 2 obviously killed it. And then like the Wii U, the Wii U games didn't kill it. They were excellent games, especially New Super Mario Brothers U. Everyone should play New Super Mario Brothers U. But again, like the zeitgeist around Super Mario Brothers wasn't there in that generation. I don't think. But Odyssey is amazing. And yeah, Odyssey is amazing again. It's Super Mario Brothers. It's like it's probably my favorite franchise of all time. I'm not gonna diss on Super Mario Brothers too much. All right. Speaking of Super Mario Brothers, I got a uh, a sticker sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers. Um, that is sealed, not just with a sticker on it. It is brand new. The Holy Grail what? of video games from what? Japan. Uh, yeah, for the Famicom Disk System. Nah, true first print. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not me. the first print because the first edition is actually the regular Famicom version. Uh, I was just looking for um, a really mint copy of this because I think it's super cool. Um, it's got, does it have different art? I think it has the same art as the Famicom one, but it's on a white background. And for some reason, I just think it looks better that way than on the stupid yellow box. Um, I just really like the way it looks. I like the size of a Famicom disk system thing, obviously. just really wanted a super nice one. And then a sealed one. I've been looking for it for like weeks and like you can't find it for whatever reason, even though it's Super Mario Brothers. You could find the the discs. You can get the discs. They're all over the place, but I wanted it fully complete with the outer box, which was hard to find. Uh, and then the sealed one came up, and there's no price history on this. Like, who's buying sealed Famicom Disc Super Mario Brothers? And I'm just like, I don't know, 150 bucks, and I want it for 60 bucks, and I was pretty happy about that. So uh, I got that. And then uh, the other Holy Grail, uh, Chase the Chuck Wagon. I got a loose copy of Chase the Chuck Wagon. Ooh. After talking about it on the show, I'm, I'm happy I finally After got a, a loose card of that. You legit could have... it on the show. If I'd known, I would 100% sold you mine. Are you serious? It's on your top yeah. shelf, Stefan. 100, 100%. It is not on my top shelf. Oh, I took I thought a it was picture of it shelf. there, and then it went directly into the garage. So you could have absolutely... How? It's so small. How could... You don't have room for it in your, your showcase? There, it's, no. it's the Holy Grail. Nope, Atari. Nope. Uh, I'm also looking for a copy of Quad Run, but uh, no one PM me about that. I'm not very seriously looking for it. Do you want to talk about what I played? We got time. This was going to be a 20 minute yeah. episode, right? Yep. Uh, I played modern games, Johnny. Uh, I built a. Oh my God. I built a new computer, and one of my components came with a a three month subscription to Xbox Game Pass, and I'm like, well, I got to use my new computer on something. And to be clear, Xbox Game Pass, despite having Xbox in its name, is also on PC. So I played Forza Horizon 4. 
Uh, and so I haven't played a Forza game since Forza 2. So let me tell you my experience. I don't play... Like, I'll play modern games, but I'll be very choosy. It's usually, like, something indie, something... Uh, not, like, the big-budget AAA stuff. So this is my... I'm jumping in to see... This is as as AAA kind of mainstream you can get. This is Xbox, Forza Motorsport. And it was it's freaking great. So this uh, Game Pass service, it's got, like, 100 games on it. It's just like, oh my god, look at all these games. I don't want to spend $60 on any of these games. I'm like, yeah, oh, Gears of War 5, Forza Motorsport, The Messenger, like all this stuff that's like 15 to 40 bucks that I could just play now. And so I get into Forza Motorsport, playing it for like four or five hours. Super fun game. Like obviously the race, it's like made by like Project Gotham people and Need for Speed people. And I think like Sega people are in it. Like it's this big conglomeration of like all the top minds in racing, I think. So it's awesome. I go to the car store uh, to buy cars with my in-game credits money. And, you know, it shows me like 100 cars I could buy. And so I'm like, oh, here's this cool looking, like a really stylized, cool looking hot rod. And I click it and it's like, no, nah, you can't buy the hot rod. That's three bucks if you want to buy that hot rod. And I'm like, all right, yeah, it's some cool stylized thing. And I find a, a Triumph TR6, which is um, a car that my dad has from 1970. Same color that he had too. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. A Triumph TR6. Uh, it's like, oh, you got to get the classic cars pack for $13 to buy the TR6. I'm like, oh, fuck this game. I'm just going to go. I, I had like the second highest classic car. I'm just going to go get the cheapest car in the highest classic car so I could try that out. I pick it. You got to buy the fucking supercar pack for $23 if you want to buy this thing. There is no way to filter the cars that are not DLC. So you just have to try to buy a car, wait for it to load, and then it will tell you if you need to pay real money in addition to your in-game money to buy a car and it drove me crazy and so on top of that this this whole model of video games now is it's blowing my mind here so theoretically i'm paying 10 or 15 dollars a month for xbox game pass for this netflix service so then i could buy this rather expensive dlc for a game that i don't own when my subscription ends so if my subscription ends, what do I do? I guess I should spend the full price for this game now that I've I've put subscription money into to buy the full game. It's just, it's like an MMO. They got people to buy like premium free-to-play games with a monthly subscription. And then ultimately, if you want to keep playing it a final cost, it's like monetization from all fronts. And it just like, it warped my mind after I played Forza Motorsport 4. And uh, I, I needed to talk to someone about it. Tyler, I think you've uh, exposed their nefarious plan oh for making money. It's a super fun game, though. Just You can't buy any of the f***ing cars. So it's a car game where you just have to use whatever cars you kind of get. Oh, well. Well, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> I'm glad you had a little bit of fun. And then it went south. Should have just played... Uh, Link's Awakening on the Switch, you would have had a much better time. Is it really yeah. pronounced Forza? It really bothers me. I'm almost <laughs> positive it's Every from time pronounced Forza. There's, there's, where's the T come from, Tyler? Uh, it comes from the Italians. <sighs> Maybe wince every time he said it. Like, I, to the point where, like, to the point, like, I couldn't, like, every time, like, I wasn't, e I wasn't even listening. I wasn't even listening to like what you were saying as much as I was just listening for the next time you said Forza. <laughs> <laughs> Forza is 100% a first print banger. 
uh, Forza Motorsport for the Xbox, the first uh, the first in a series of 11 racing games. Got to pick up that first uh, first print for the Xbox. The only Forza game in standard definition. You definitely want right. to play it. Oh my god, someone stopped me from buying all the Castlevania games. Yeah, stop it right now. Um, uh, okay, so what did I buy? I'm only going to say one game I bought because other stuff is Halloween. I bought Ninja Taro so for the Game Boy. That's a thing Hot I bought. damn! That's a banger, Johnny. It is straight up a banger, right? Uh, yeah. Good job. I've never heard of this game, so I'm just going to guess what it is. It's a guitar rhythm game about ninjas. It's a it's an RPG. Oh. Well, that's dumb. I'm going to say <laughs> top 20 rare, not rare, well, maybe rare. Is top 20 rarest Game Boy game, maybe? Maybe. There's not many, and this one came up. Uh, I got it from Joan for... A pretty good price, and then I picked up... It didn't have the manual, and I picked up the manual elsewhere, so... Yeah, I was quite happy to pick up a Ninja Taro that I was not expecting to buy, and then I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, Ninja Taro, and then just kind of jumped on it. Stefan, you've been buying stuff from Joan Bone recently, too, haven't you? Yeah, you bought that, like, Mario 3 display. Like, all I want from Joan Bone, I, I messaged him, and I'm like, dude, just... You get, like, a mint Ocarina of Time collector edition just give it to me because i know you get all this crazy stuff and i know he's like the guy in nintendo age who talks about n64 seals because he knows uh, like more than anyone on nintendo age about n64 seals and he's just like yeah no i don't really i don't really get n64 stuff <sighs> just want my stuff man oh speaking of what uh, i didn't buy ninja gaiden 3 the like the one other game besides ocarina time that i want sealed uh one went on heritage auctions for seventeen hundred dollars uh, Wada 9.0, which is like a VGA, like 75, maybe, maybe an 80. I feel like if you really want this really expensive thing, Tyler, you should probably stop talking about it. No, like I get, like I give, there's no way like that's even, I want one that is in, I would say much better condition than the one that just went for $1,700. And there's just no way I'm going to pay for it. Like it's a hundred dollar game plus $2,000 shrink wrap. Like I, I'm not going to do it. So knock yourself out, everybody. <laughs> Believe me, if if I like if I wanted a copy of Mystery House, I probably would have picked another game because that's like a type of game that you have to search for for years. But now I hope other people start looking for it so they can get frustrated and start an eBay <laughs> save search party. So they can join you in your misery. I'm not looking for Mystery House. Why not? Uh, and I know and you know, I know no one's looking for Ninja Gaiden 3 either. Like Ninja Gaiden 1 probably the more iconic better game to have sealed sells for less than half of what ninja gaiden 3 sold for so i have to imagine that that ninja gaiden 3 sold to someone who's just absolutely nuts about ninja gaiden 3 maybe hopefully and not like an absolutely out of their mind speculator so uh you know maybe i want to shake his hand because i love that game too guy well, that was nice of you. Nice follow-up there. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's end this episode, because it's almost two hours. Of yeah, this is going to be the short one, though, right? We're good. No, the next one was supposed to be the short one. Mm. That we're going to roll right into, right? Nope. Um, <laughs> all right. So, guys, where can we find you? Uh, Archon1981 on Instagram and Nintendo Age and YouTube and the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh Ooh. I, I I think this might be the last time we can hype this or maybe the next episode before we're actually there. Um, so 
We do not have a table this year, but we will be wandering around the uh, place that you can actually that absolutely find us because I'm going to drag both of these jokers to it is my panel on gameplay counselors. Red That's... the Game Sharks table where he'll be selling <laughs> Super Famicom and Famicom import. Oh, yeah. it's uh, cheap, cheap games. Yeah, cheap, cheap, cheap games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am hosting on Saturday at six o'clock. Uh, I am hosting the, I believe in the book, it's called Nintendo Gameplay Counselor Reunion because you need a snappy title for or a very direct title for, for panels. Um, so yeah, but I'm, it's going to be myself moderating a panel of four gameplay counselors. Uh, I'm super, super excited about it. So you could definitely find us there. Um, the other place that you'll absolutely be able to find me probably most of the days uh, will be in the museum. I'm also uh, putting together a gameplay counselor museum display uh, with the help of my friends at the Video Game History Foundation. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'll be there as well. So that's my plans for Portland. You should ab- absolutely come out. It's the weekend of the uh, weekend of the 18th. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and us uh, out. definitely go to Stefan's panel because uh, maybe you'll catch a glimpse of Pat the NES Punk, and then he can go over and get his autograph after it. And you know, Stefan will be saying some words too. I have absolutely been blessed with a fantastic time slot. I think the only thing that we're really up against is the costume contest. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that that we'll get a pretty pretty darn good turnout. Yeah, it's not like 10 a.m. Sunday morning, and it's not right when the vendor floor opens. So you're pretty set. Yeah. And uh and the actual Video Game History Foundation panel is right before ours, so in the same room. So Are they gonna come hype for you? that. Uh everyone file out. We hype there. each other. Um Frank Cifaldi is brilliant and awesome and uh, so his panels are always a good time. So come come for uh Video Game History Foundation panel and stay for the gameplay counselor panel. Nice. All right, Tyler. I'm all those you? same places, including the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And I'm at Default Gen, Default G-E-N. I will not be putting on a panel at Portland. I will be running around looking for video games I want to purchase with money. He's probably going to be at the booth scrounging underneath tables for Atari games. That's where you can find him. At least that's what we found him last year. Well, this could be a whole nother episode, but I've kind of started more of a shift from card only to complete in box. And that is even stretching to Atari games where I don't even like, I'll take a loose Atari game. I don't have for two bucks, but uh, for like the stuff I want, the Atari and Activision stuff I want, I'm just like, eh, just complete in box only. So that, nice. that, that robot you. tank that I failed to negotiate over last year for $4, I already bought a complete in box copy of that now. So I don't even need it. To be fair, Excellent. you could you could tack on I failed to negotiate for to everything you've ever bought ever. Hundred <laughs> percent true. <laughs> yeah, I've done more negotiating for Tyler than Tyler has. <laughs> and then he makes fun of me for overpaying by like twenty dollars for a Star Wars game. F- you, Tyler. I'm I'm gonna bleep it out, but how about overpaying for a l- cassette, Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't overpay for that because um, I did try to. I did try to overpay for it, but he wants more. Oh my god! <laughs> he wants to be overpaid by quite a bit more than I'm willing to overpay him for. All right, you jokers, you guys, you're a mess. Uh, back to reality. I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi. You can find that handle on Instagram. 
You can find me as Johnny on Nintendo Age because I'm a diva. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for me anywhere else, try your mom's bedroom because that's probably where I am. Wow. Right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>